Welcome to the Strength Rehab Podcast. Join your hosts, Raul Axmayer and Brandon Parker, as they discuss the latest information regarding the health and fitness industries. Topics include sports performance, physical rehab, and of course, general health. Remember, this is the podcast where science meets practice. What is up, everybody? This week on the podcast, we talk about how Raul and I wrote a book and the things that we are thinking about and what we are trying to accomplish when writing it. We also announced that we are releasing another book, Recovery 101. We go into detail what we're trying to accomplish, and I hope you enjoy that as well. We're also going to remind you that we are sponsored by Built by Strength Products. They put out the best products, and they're third-party tested. Enjoy. So we wrote a book, and I'm just curious about what you were thinking about when going through the process of writing this thing, man. That I made a mistake in saying that I wanted to write a book. <laughs> it, it, like Honestly, like at first, like I don't like writing. But writing about something that I'd like to talk about was much easier. And the fact that we took a conversational uh, approach made it much easier. But there's times where I'll read a section and I'll be like, that makes no sense, Brandon. You just wasted two hours of your life. And there were also times that, for example, let's say I'm writing tonight. I think like, oh, this is the shit. Like, this is going to be a great chapter. (laughs) Then I come back in the morning and I was like... What did I want to say here? Like, this makes absolutely no sense. <laughs> this is an absolute dumpster fire. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I I do think that we hit some very important keys. Um, there's a part, like, I don't know, when it comes to the, the fitness industry, I, I feel like they romanticize, like, the no pain, no gain agenda where people just go into the gym and just beat the living crap out of themselves, and then they wonder why they're not growing. And I like the fact that we touched upon the SRA uh, principle, the stimulus recovery ad- adaptation principle, where we kind of talk about how we, you stimulate a muscle, you allow it to recover so you can realize the strength gains that you have gained, and then you just stimulate it again versus the no pain, no gain, let's put 15 more pounds on the board because homegirl from across the gym is looking at us, <laughs> you know? Um, is there any, was there any like chapter that really stuck out to you where you think is like the most important for people to read? I, I think all of them were equally as important, but I did like a lot that we started with goal setting because mm-hmm. we've all fallen victims to the mentality that we're just going to go to the gym and whatever we feel like doing, we're going to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is like... That absolutely makes no sense because if you don't know what you're training for, you don't know what you're going to do in the gym and you're not going to get the results and then you're going to be like, oh, like, why don't I get the results I want? It's because you don't have a goal in the first place. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the first chapter was really good. It was just talking about goal setting and the importance of having a specific goal. Um, we went into the specifics of the set principle, specific adaptations to impose demand. Uh, and we gave examples like, Yes, even though you can gain some, for example, strength and hypertrophy at the same time, if you don't train for one specifically at the time, you will not get optimal resorts in neither of them. Right. But if you want, for example, if you want hypertrophy, if you want bigger muscles, you got to train for hypertrophy and have a hypertrophy-specific programming and not a strength-specific programming. For sure. Uh, I think I like that chapter. I mean, honestly, I'm biased. I liked every chapter, but I think that was an important one. Just kind of like the baseline. Uh, 
don't know, man. I mean, like, you know, how couldn't you like it? Two studs at, wrote the book, right? But <laughs> I, I like what you talked about is because, like, you brought it full circle where you didn't have to be, like, a new new person to the gym. Because people like you and I, we can fall into a rut where we're just going to do the same moves that we've been doing. But if you don't take a hard look in the mirror or a hard look into the journal or whatever you're utilizing to track your progress, um, you don't really know where you're going. And you can be advanced or you can be a beginner. And if you don't really have a goal, you're still going to be in the same rut where, for example, if you're advanced, you're just going to be doing the same moves that you've been doing for a very long time. But if you're a beginner, you're probably not even going to make it to the back of the gym where the squat racks are. They're going to be hanging out with the leg extension machine, which will take them three hours, which means I can't get on the leg extension machine. And then they want to be on their phone. I'm heated, man. And they're always wearing Gymshark. That's right. If you're wearing Gymshark, I don't like you because I can't get on the leg extension machine. Uh, you mentioned two things, uh, goal settings and doing the same movements. Uh, real quick, if you have goals, like setting up goals without a system will take you nowhere. Mm-hmm. So having systems set up is super important to cr- basically crush your goals. And you mentioned, uh, even though I don't even remember what you mentioned, uh, but it, there's nothing wrong with doing the same movements mm-hmm. as long as you're progressing them. Right. Uh I would prefer for somebody to stick to the same movements, literally the same exercises, and just progress them each week till they cannot keep progressing and right. then change the movements rather than someone that does a routine this week and then does another different routine this the other week and another different routine the other week. So there's nothing wrong doing the same, the same movement patterns over and over again as long as you keep progressing them. Right. Uh, so I, I was just wanted to say oh, that. Yeah, thank you for covering my my butt there because it. Yeah, you don't want to change according to the fallacy of muscle confusion. I don't know if anybody still does that. I don't even know like <laughs> where, like where did, did that argument come from uh, in the first that, place? I think that's like where like that was when it was peak is when the shake weight came out because like not only are you confused when you're using it like what is this for but apparently your muscles be even more confused right like, it's like oh you gotta confuse the muscles bro you gotta change their routine every every two weeks I'm like, ah, not really <laughs> no not at all um it was like when you talked about how like changing each week if you did this constant variation once again how can that be tailored to your goals right you gotta make this goal super specific or there's no way you're gonna be efficient in it Uh, talking about goals, I, I also think that, so in the fitness industry, industry you kind of have two extremes. You either want to lose fat mm-hmm. or you either want to lose muscle. And obviously there's people that want to do both at, at, at the same time. And fun fact, we thought it was impossible, but the research kind of says that it's actually possible. It depends on a number of things. We can get into that topic later. But I also think there's nothing wrong with just having a goal of getting healthier and looking good, like kind of like what they call main gaining or something like that or maintaining, mm-hmm. kind of like or maintenance, but you keep progressing a little bit. There's nothing wrong with not wanting to get huge or right. not wanting to lose fat for a certain amount of weeks or months. Because, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Yeah, like when it comes to the, like, I mean, there is merit to the old school bulking and cutting phase, right? So when you put in, well, Within moderation, exactly. you can't not just a dirty everything yeah. exactly. So when you're in a surplus, you're making your body in a great environment to put on muscle fast. But uh, a caveat to that is you will also put on an extra couple pounds of fat. That's where the cutting comes in. But granted, you're not getting like these bodybuilders that ran this lifestyle. They're not getting judged when they're fat. You know, yeah. they're getting judged when they shred. So. 
that's another thing. If you're not a bodybuilder and like you know you want to take your shirt off at the beach, maybe you should do something that Raul has just alluded to, where you're going to do main gaining, where basically you're finding your maintenance calories, give or take, having a high protein level, and you will see you will see some strength gain and muscle gain. Um, yeah, yeah. There's some literature on it, uh, but it's also anecdotal. But like you can. You can build muscle at maintenance calories. Like you do not need to be in a caloric surplus in order to gain muscle. Uh, so just we had to get that out there. Uh, sure. a, a, another myth busting that we did in the book was, you know, how people say that they got to do eight to twelve reps to build muscle. We kind of talked a little bit about that and about how there's not a special or specific rep range that you need to do in order to build muscle because you can build muscle. On any rep range you want, unless unless it's like 30 plus reps, makes no sense. <laughs> uh, but it, it all comes down to mechanical tension. So we talk a little bit about that. The what, what you're touching upon is I liked, and I, maybe this will be a gem to somebody, but I'll share how I've been utilizing that principle to my liking. Um, obviously, when you start the the your exercise routine or the of the day, you're going to be fresh. You're going to have full of energy. So what I do is I hit my heavy compounds, and that's where I have specific numbers that I need to progress biweekly. Um, according to my RPEs, right? But when I start to get to my accessory work, I kind of drop the whole idea of needing to increase or progress by weight. And what I kind of do now is I'll just set a specific RPE and never really care about the, the reps themselves. I kind of turn off the brain and I just go into pain land essentially until like they basically mechanically fail. Um, Sometimes, like, cause for example, uh, at least this might be me. I let's say I grab the 15s and I get to my set of 12, and I knew I could have squeaked out some more. Yeah, I do a little bit more, but I just feel like almost like it's a wasted set, or like I feel like the reps kind of get in the way of my true failure. So, a cool way for for some of you that are looking to utilize RPE is once you get to the end of your workout, where the exercises are strictly for gaining muscle, like kind of like finishing off a muscle. Don't worry about the, the, the amount of reps you're doing. Um, don't worry about the, the amount of weight you're doing. Obviously, you're going to pick a certain weight that doesn't keep you there for three hours. But just go ahead and grab a moderate weight and just go to town. And then when you're done, obviously, you've stimulated the muscle. Definitely. Uh, another thing that people like to do a lot is training to failure every single time. Oh, yeah. Uh, now that you're mentioning compounds versus isolation or accessory work, however you want to call it, uh you like training for training to failure is not needed mm -hmm. to build muscle it sure. might be detrimental in fact you can be more prone to injuries but that's a whole other topic for another podcast um but you want to like you want to train hard but not too hard that you won't recover and you want to you do not want to train too like too quote unquote soft mm -hmm. like you need a specific amount of stress uh to have adaptations. Mm -hmm. So you want to stay close to failure, but now that you mentioned uh, accessory work, you can you can live till failure more on the accessory right. works. Like for example, you can go to failure on biceps and triceps basically every week right. because the muscle is so quote unquote small. Yeah, you can have big arms, but it's so small then compared to, for example, you can train to failure on squats every single week because right. you're going to be trashed. Oh, for sure. It's you also got to think about like you know, yeah, we are taxing the musculature that we're targeting, but we also have some sort of systemic fatigue that we have to manage as well. Yep. You know, like people can say like, 
oh, I'll just go light on the deadlift. Well, if you really think about what, quote, like, what is light on the deadlift, it's still heavy. Yeah. And, you know, your body still has to fire up the nervous system and fire up the musculature to move this weight. So it does bog you down. And that's why when I alluded to the SRA principle, the deadlift is the one exercise that takes absolutely forever to recover from. So if you're bodybuilding and you have absolutely no goal of getting in the powerlifting realm, go to the RDL. Do all these other things that you could do to hit the glutes and hit the hamstrings because the deadlift is a phenomenal exercise for rehab and powerlifting. And you could do it for bodybuilding, but... If we're just strictly trying to get that muscle big, I think there's a million different variations that you can play with. I don't even remember the last time I deadlifted. <laughs> I get the itch. I get the itch a little bit. I don't. I don't no? miss them. Oh, it's just, you know, I'm not a huge deadlifter. I mean, I'll never hit big weight like some people. But there's sometimes I'm just like, well, I think it's, you know what I think it is? I think it's the deadlift bar. The deadlift bar with the whip, you can just lift, what, like 100 pounds more and yeah. feel like a monster. Easily. You know? And then, like... It's the only real exercise that it's socially acceptable to slam on the floor. <laughs> so it's just kind of like you get a lot of rage out in a couple of reps, you know. But I do dis- – like the one thing that's kind of keeping me away from it is I remember there's times where I'm deep in my block and mm-hmm. I'm just sitting there at the bar. I'm just like, I, I have two this. more sets of this. <laughs> why, why did I pro- – I have two more sets of this. So, yeah, I guess the, the big the big takeaway from what we were just talking about from there is just if you can modify and it's – better for your goals and it keeps you relatively more fresh i would go with that yep you know um i know in our book uh talks about like here are the staple movements squat uh, bench deadlift of some sort well the hinge um take that with the grain of salt or take it for what we're actually trying to write it as is it's a movement pattern exactly it's not not the 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 barbell squat not the exercise itself right because like you know a barbell's like the squat pattern is not only the barbell squat it's the lunge it's the step up you know it's plenty of other it's the hog squat it's the heels elevated squat. like i I don't even remember the last time i did a regular back squat i'm away from those man Contrary to popular belief, it's it's not that great for hypertrophy, honestly. I would agree. Uh, it, it obviously depends on the person and its anatomical limbs or whatever, but not a lot of people f- have a good mind-muscle connection, for example, on the, on the quads mm. when they're squatting. Uh, so, yeah, there's, there's not a single best exercise for building muscle mm-hmm. or for anything. Uh, it all comes down to what you feel, good mind-muscle connection, the tension you can build, so... If somebody tells you that, oh, you need to do this exercise or this is the best exercise for chest growth, nah, bullshit. Like, right. that that doesn't even exist. It'll all come down to, number one, personal preference, and number two, if it works for you, it works for you. Right, and that kind of that brings me to think about what we talked about as our, like, little checklist, right? If you can feel yeah. tension within the movement, that's a big indicator that it's probably a good exercise for you. The other thing we talked about is the pump. If you get a pump right after the first set, you know it's a good You're doing exercise. something right. Yeah, exactly. And the last one was obviously at the end of the exercise, you should have some sort of mechanical failure. Um, and then I guess I would tag one more on there that I, we didn't directly say on that chart that we made is if you can come back two days later and do it again, that is phenomenal, you know, because you know it's not systematically draining, you know, and that means you can do more, which we know volume is a large predicator to muscle. And frequency. Exactly, exactly. The, uh, I'm trying to think what else we talked about in that book. Like we we talked we even talked about biomechanics, about the basically right. the movement 
uh, your muscles that you're going to be working do. Uh, and then we gave examples with exercises and That's right. talked about the importance of kind of understanding your anatomy and your movements to program specific exercises for whatever you want. That was a fun chapter to write as well. We wrote it really fast and it, it, it almost kind of became a blur. And <laughs> Anything was a pain in the butt though. Oh, for sure. I think it was more like because it was a passion project, we wrote it fast. Um, and yeah, pain in the butt for sure because you know you think you write gold and you're like it could be much better. Um, and you jog my memory of what I would like to say, and we touched upon as well, and kind of what we've been touching upon it is um, know your anatomy in the sense of like yeah, your your all right, your chest is responsible for horizontal adduction, right? Give an example of how that would look like for someone that doesn't know it hurts. Exactly. Okay, yeah, right. Horizontal adduction. So the dumbbell fly. Okay. So, okay, dumbbell fly or the dumbbell bench press or just a real barbell bench press. Now, the reason why I'm, I'm throwing these all out there is because everybody is going to be formed a little bit differently. And you got to know how to utilize your anatomy to your benefit. And so, for example... I, 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 I know people that swear that the barbell bench press is terrible for muscle growth. But for example, I've been doing Spoto Press, which is all you got to do is bring it down to your chest about an inch above and don't touch. Pause for a second and bring it back up. And I've, I've already I've knocked out all four of those things on my checklist. I don't see any muscle though. Oh man, I'm just kidding, just kidding. (laughs) I like, like contrary to to your preferences, I I hate the the barbell, Mm -hmm. Uh, and I personally love. I mean, if it comes to hypertrophy reasons, I love the dumbbells. I just feel a better mind muscle connection. Mm -hmm. I feel a better stretch, better contraction. Mm -hmm. So it all comes down to understanding your body and kind of like adapting to it. For sure. For sure, and then just I'm gonna I'm gonna throw the obvious uh, things. Like if you follow any of our content, you see a picture of me. Uh, I have really trash ankles, right? So in order for me to target my quads, any squat pattern, I'm going to have to do a heel elevated squat of some sort, or when I lunge, I have to do short strides. Um, that's just because I can't get the dorsiflexion I need to take my hips out of the equation and target my quads. Now, is using my hips a bad thing? Of course not. It's just I've noticed, and everyone's noticed yeah. it, and if you're a fa- like a faithful podcast listener of ours, I have dorsal fins, you know, and they're gross. My paraspinals are massive, and I want to <laughs> get rid of them. So as we alluded to, I front squat now with heel elevated. So my back is completely vertical, and hopefully – I can get rid of these damn things. <laughs> Hopefully. Hopefully. I look like the Loch Ness Monster. Or bro. you just need a bigger back. <laughs> it's build everything else around <laughs> it. When Bearcat said that, I was like, yeah, easier said than done, Easy, man. right? <laughs> <laughs> I have the lower back of, like, Dorian Yates, and everything else is just some, like, non-competitor. <laughs> now, we're writing a new book. But this, this one's a real, real book. This is – all right, so what, what, what makes this one the real, real book? I mean, the, the last book was obviously a good book, but yeah. it had lots of graphics and pictures because mm-hmm. we wanted to get our point through. Uh, people like pictures, right? But when you talk a lot about different exercises, different biomechanical movements, people need examples. Right. Because it, it's not an easy topic to understand if you're just only reading words. For but sure. if you see, uh, like, 
abduction. And if someone doesn't know anatomy, they're going to be like, what the hell is an, an abduction movement? Right. They see a picture, they're like, oh, this is abduction. Okay, next. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, this one's a real book. And by a real book, I mean it's basically a book you read works. Yeah. It might have some graphics here and there or tables, but... I think it's going to take a lot more time than the first one, honestly. A lot more yeah. content, a lot yeah. more research, gonna, a lot yeah, more to write. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think it's it's I'm excited for it, uh, especially like the the two the two ones that are my specific interest right now and I got to write them this weekend is the well, hopefully with Dr. Cross's project we'll see, right? <laughs> um, is the hydration and the sleep. Thank I'm, God cuz I I, like geek, I geeked on nutrition. I was right, like, cool. oh, I'm, I'm going to take this topic before Parker <laughs> takes it. <laughs> Started oh, writing. I, I'm really big on the hydration, man, because, like, I, I think I sent you the research article, or at least the citation, about how, like, almost, like, 80% of Americans are dehydrated chronically. Yeah. It's yeah. not, like, like once in a while. Like, no, chronically. And, you know, when I'm, like, when it comes to performance, that's where I geek out at it was something along the lines of when you're 1% dehydrated, you lose 1% of your body weight in water, your performance plummets. And being in Florida, you step outside and just kind of <laughs> look sweating around. Already. You're sweating immediately, right. So We're talking about the book, and we didn't mention the topic. Uh, it's basically Recovery 101 uh, mm-hmm. and maximizing health and recovery outside the gym or something like that. For I don't sure. know if that's word by word, but... That's the the base of the book. We're going to talk about nutrition. We're going to do a deep dive into macros, calories, what's simple calorie, mm-hmm. macro distribution, protein, carbs. Why should I eat carbs? Why should I not eat carbs? When should I eat them? Uh, muscle protein synthesis. How much do I need? Like yeah. Stuff like that. Going to talk about nutrition, hydration, as Parker said, uh, sleep. Stress. Uh, and uh, stress, Getting which is on. Down. Yeah, it's underrated. People don't talk enough about it. Right. Um, and, and more stuff, but we're just starting. Right. But we're those gonna... are the big chapters that we're working on as of right now. Yeah. And then we'll have, um, I, ideally, I would like to add uh, specific techniques that somebody can do for the stress reduction chapter. Because um, it's one thing to say, hey, go ahead and stress reduce because it's going to do this, this, and that. But it's like, well, how? You know? Um, and <laughs> I, I don't think we're going to go down the route of, like, meditation type things but more so just kind of like cbt therapy and stuff like that stuff that everybody can relate to because i know some people get like squirmish when you say the word yoga and meditation you know mind you the guy that's talking yeah. right now has long hair <laughs> oh, well. i'm 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 like one foot flop away from living in california right now <laughs> hey, no i'm one avocado away <laughs> from from that stuff but yeah um if you've been listening to this podcast up to this point, thank you. And um, moving forward, we're going to have some good guests coming on, right? Yeah. Yep. I'm excited. I'm excited. Um, these last two podcasts, it's kind of just, you know, getting back to our roots, you know, kind of to reintroduce our, our listening or our following who the, the podcast hosts are because typically you guys hear us kind of either geeking out and asking experts about what they know or uh, just kind of... We, you, I don't know if anyone knows this, but we have such a great game plan going into the podcast, <laughs> and then either Raul or I just turn into a complete butterfly, and we have no attention span, and we just kind of, like, they say a certain trigger word, and like, oh, and that, we, and we talk about that for, like, the next 60 minutes, and we get off air, and the first thing our guest says and says, we haven't talked Never. about anything you told us we we're going to talk about, <laughs> um, but... 
I think it works out. I mean, people yeah, are listening. I mean, exactly. That's what matters, right? 